Uh, my name is Matt Hurt. I'm at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. And I'm Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is a live Indie PopCon 2016 edition of ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hey guys, we're here at Indie PopCon 2016 on the last day of the convention. The exhibit hall is about to close here in about an hour. And uh, we're both pretty tired, me and Tiny. We're pretty exhausted. And uh, Mike couldn't be here for this uh, for this PopCon because he actually, today is Father's Day and he is a father now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we haven't been able to talk about that, have we? No, not yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's a dad now. Yeah, he's a dad. So he's going to be on sabbatical from the podcast. <laughs> even <laughs> no, more. <laughs> and even more. No, it's uh, it's awesome. And we're super excited for him. I'm. We're both really happy for him and... It's. Uh, I, I didn't clear this joke with him, but he named he had the uh, he and his wife Amanda had a beautiful son uh, last week and uh, on the tenth, I believe, and uh, they named him Oscar. So uh, it was. It's you know that's a good name. I love that name. Yeah, it's a perfect name. Did you tell him who they named him after? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Everyone immediately because Mike is a huge movie fan, obviously. Uh, people will probably immediately think of the Oscars, and you know Mike White is someone who would do that. But and and I thought it was kind of awkward that they gave him the middle name. So I thought that that would be kind of I thought that was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> oh my god! I've been waiting like a week to make that joke. <laughs> um, no, uh, no, it's funny because I guess they maybe we should save it for when he comes back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You guys won't know. Um, anyway. <laughs> We're a little slap happy here. Tiny, you were here Friday all by your lonesome because I had to work. So uh, how did... Well, we'll, we're, we'll have a full post-PopCon conversation. I'm kind of all over the place here. I apologize. <laughs> um, so basically, this episode is our first of two PopCon episodes. And uh, Tiny, just, just really quick, how are you feeling right now? Uh, I'm really tired and, and worn out, but it's kind of in a good way. You know, because you just met all these really cool people and uh, spent money on things you don't need, which is always gratifying in a in a fun way. Um, I feel pretty good. I had a bit too much to drink last night, but uh, it was fun as well. So, yeah, I, I love PopCon Weekend. It's it, it's it's a good kind of tired. Same here. I I love it. I, I do, and it's so much fun. We we get to touch base with a lot of like our convention friends that we see every year here because now it's a, now it's an established thing. This is the third year they've done popcorn. It's the third time we've done popcorn, and it's just it's so fun to be in this environment. And I I love it. Um, and also uh, uh, we bought our booth for next year, uh, so we'll be here again next year. Um, I actually picked a really good booth space for us, so I'm really excited for that. And next year, it's going to be July 7th to the July 9th. And uh, I just want to remind everyone that we have an ongoing um, iTunes review um, um, contest going on. So if you're listening to this and haven't reviewed us on iTunes and have an iTunes account in which you can review us, uh, go do that and then send us a message on Facebook with on our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash viewer, and send us your email and uh, your username for iTunes. On July 1st, 2016, we will uh, pick from the ones... We will, we will randomly pick from the ones that uh, have been submitted and we will give them a $10 Amazon gift card. 
So uh, that's you know it's it'll uh, you know it's ten bucks on Amazon, and uh, it's not too much of an effort. There's a few steps there, but we hope that you guys do that. And um, also, thank you to all our new listeners that we've gotten from PopCon. It's been it's been a really fun weekend. I agree. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Yeah. Awesome. So this recording is, like I said, the first of two episodes, and it's going to cover our podcast stage time, in which we got to interview Gary from uh, Cinemaside.com. They are a, 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 a couple guys from the area, from Indianapolis, who do uh, riffs on movies, and, and they're super intelligent guys. They're really passionate about their work, and I'm really excited to share this recording because we got to talk to them about their, we got to talk to Gary about their entire process and how they, how they make sure that they put out such a great product. And it's really exciting to, to have him on and, and talk, to, talk to him about it. And, uh, you know, because that's one of the things that I personally love a lot is just hearing about people's creative energies and, and what they're passionate about. And that came through very clearly in this, uh, in this interview. So we're going to get to that in just a second. But I also want to mention just a quick plug or a quick uh, thing. If you're a new listener and you're not aware of it, um, we have an event in Irvington every October, and it's a Shocktober in Irvington. It's a one-night event screening of local uh, local filmmakers' short horror films, and uh, in the Irvington area, uh, we raffle off prizes and give away gift cards to Irvington businesses. We have it locked down for February. Or, well, I'm sorry, for Friday, October 14th, 2016, and uh, tickets are going to go on sale probably early August. We'll. Um, We'll, we'll have an announcement about that uh, shortly, but all the money goes straight to the Irvington Historical Society, and it's a great it's a great event. We do it every year. This is our third year doing it, and it's super exciting. And we now officially have a Facebook event page for it, so check that out in the show notes or go to shocktoberinirvington.com. So, Tiny, is there anything else you want to say before we get to our recording with uh, Gary from CinemaSide? Uh, just thanks to everybody for uh, for stopping by the booth and saying hi to us. It's a great weekend. Yep, thanks guys, and hope you enjoy this uh, recording. Hello, and uh, welcome to our live podcast time for The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show. Every episode, we have uh, uh, you can find back episodes of the podcast at ovpodcast.com. And find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com. And I don't have my notes that, for all that, so I think that that's... Oh, follow the subreddit, subscribe to the subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer. So we're here at PopCon for the third annual PopCon, our third one here. And we have a guest uh, here on the stage with us. It's Gary from CinemaSide. Uh, how's it going? Hello. Things are going good. Nice. Nice. So this is the uh, first convention that you've had for CinemaSide, which is, from my understanding, it is a riff track type uh, project that you guys have where you riff on movies um, much like riff tracks or MST3. Yeah, in, in the same uh, spirit as Mystery Science Theater. Um, uh, yeah, we, uh, we do the same type of uh, comedic audio commentary. Um, nice. We uh, just debuted online in November mm-hmm. and uh, um, yeah, we got a, a handful of riffs online right now and nice. uh, Stuff in production, mm-hmm. so. Mm. What uh, what titles do you have available right now? I saw that you have Spider Man and Twilight. Yeah, yeah, nice. we uh, debuted in, with Spider Man, 
Uh, uh, we came out with Twilight a few months later. Sweet. And uh, uh, Star Wars Episode Four. <laughs> we thought we'd touch up on that a little bit. Nice. But, uh, yeah, and then uh, we took a production break, mm-hmm. uh, moved facilities, uh, reconstructed a booth, and uh, just recently uh, came up with our first VOD which for the 1932 Bela Lugosi movie called White Zombie. That is fantastic. That's a cool choice for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of history behind that movie, and we loved it, and it was easy to riff, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which helps. Yeah. I've seen about maybe 20 minutes of it, and then I, I think I had to go to work or something like that. So I, I haven't seen the full movie, but uh, I'll have to check that out for sure. And then that's a sizable piece of it. It's only 67 minutes long. Right, yeah. <laughs> it didn't take us uh, as much to entertain back then. So Right. Wow. <laughs> nice. So you guys are based in Indianapolis in Greenwood, I believe, yeah, for the most yeah. part? Yeah, just 15 minutes south of Greenwood, or south of Indy. Sweet. That's nice. awesome. So what was your... Um, Inspiration, or what? What caused you guys to start uh, Cinemaside, and what was the what was the impetus of the project? Well, there were three of us in the initial phases, and we were all friends. We worked together at the same place. Nice. We all shared a love of Mystery Science Theater three thousand, and uh, we would pass those DVDs around to each other. <laughs> and uh, uh, based upon that love, we thought we would just sit down and improv movies you know on a whim after work and so we would shut down the restaurant and uh hop into the bar and pop in dvds and uh just improv riff and we found a we were pretty happy with the stuff that we were getting so we decided to start taking notes and writing scripts for it and uh over time it just uh snowballed i want to say snowballed (laughs) but it was a it was a good snowball right but uh but yeah, it just uh, got bigger and bigger until uh, we have what we have today, and we hope it just keeps going. Cool, very cool. Very I'm curious cool. what your guys' uh, like selection process is like for picking movies because obviously, mm. first of all, thank you for doing Twilight because that movie needs to be crapped on as much as possible, <laughs> um, every chance we can get. But then you pick a really good movie like Star Wars. So I mean, is mm. it is there anything any kind of process you go through? Is it just like, hey, I think we can riff on this? Or when it comes to an old B movie. Um, we have a library of hundreds, and we haven't even seen them all, you know. Right. But uh, we'll, we'll sit down and we'll watch a handful of them. And if we feel like the first time we watched the movie, we got some really great material just in a dry run, then we'll set it aside and we'll make, make it a point to take some notes on it in the future. But then when it comes to mainstream first-run movies, the Star Wars, the Spider-Mans, the Twilights, and stuff like that, we're going for something that... A lot of people are going to have in their DVD collection, you know, because oh, okay. that's a lot. That's a big part of the mm-hmm. process. Is we're selling an MP3 commentary that they're playing along with their DVD at home. Mm-hmm. So if we're doing an MP3 commentary for a movie that didn't sell any DVDs in the first place, right. we're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah. So yeah, that's initially we want to hit up the the biggest blockbusters we can. Okay. And uh, but if we can't seem to pull together any quality material on something then yeah it's quickly pushed aside okay so what's the actual production process like you touched on it a little bit but how do you go from selecting selecting the movie to the actual end of production having the completed file ready how's that once process once we decided on something then it's, it's going to take about six to eight weeks as far wow. as production goes nice. um and that's just basic script writing and mm-hmm. then hitting the booth yeah. And then of course, there's there's another handful of weeks of uh, editing and and re-records and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
basically from the beginning, we sit down and we take a series of notes on mm -hmm. the film. We just watch it straight through, and then we uh, we'll put it on the shelf for a couple of days, and then we'll sit down again a little later, and we'll take another set of notes on it, nice. and uh, we'll do this maybe two, three, four times. Mm -hmm. um, we have contributors that live in other cities, and we'll let them know that we're going to be working on this thing, and so they'll they'll do the same process and and send us some notes that they get on the film. And then uh, once we have the notes, we sit down and uh, start writing the script for it. But uh, yeah, once we have the script, then it takes a soft rewrite, then we hit the booth. And once we have a solid record down, then uh, editing, then re-records, and then it's ready for the website. Very wow. cool. And again, that's uh, anywhere from 8 to 12 weeks on any wow. given one. So uh, during that time, do you have to like watch the movie over and over and oh. over and over again? <laughs> dozens and dozens of times. Oh. We were just we've asked this been asked this question here at the con, and uh, yeah, we we've watched White Zombie no less than a hundred times, and oh, that's wow. that's that's just a ballpark. You know, it's yeah. way more than that. Jeez, <laughs> you watch it a dozen times just in the script writing process, and then. Uh, yeah, it's just over and over yeah. and over until it's not even a movie anymore. <laughs> right, right. Um, so here at your booth, for for our for people in the audience here at your booth, you actually have a uh, TV set up with a demo of the White Zombie mm -hmm. um, track and everything. So how's the experience been with that, and how how's your overall experience been with the convention since it's the first time at something like this for uh, Yeah, Cinemasize. first time exhibiting at a con, first time mm -hmm. vending at a con. Um, I, I think it's been remarkable. Nice. Um, uh, obviously, I've attended many cons mm -hmm. and been on that side of the table, you know, and not put a lot of thought into how, how easy it is to pass by somebody without paying attention right. to the reason that they're there in the first place. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, with that said, we've had a lot of positive response. Uh, nice. Plenty of people asking what we've been up to, you know, and... Uh, Handed out a lot of business cards mm -hmm. and got a lot of positive feedback from the people that have listened in on the headphones, you know, and and so we're we're excited. We mm -hmm. the whole point of coming was just to get our name out there in front of as many people as possible, you know. We weren't yeah. anticipating on making a lot of money or right. you know hitting a big deal or anything. No, we just mm -hmm. we just want to get out in front of as many people as we can. Yeah, that's and cool. That's how we feel too. We just get our product yeah. out there. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's building a brand, and that's kind of the thing that really uh, speaks to me about it is that, you know, you just want to get out there. That's kind of, we were in the same position a few years ago when we first came to Indie Popcom for the first time because we had, frankly, we had no idea what we were doing because, like, we didn't have the history of going to cons and everything. Mm. So, but yeah. it's it's always a really fun experience, especially at PopCon because there's so many just good people here that, and it's we... a great community. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely just fantastic. Um, so... Do you are you at liberty to discuss what is in what is ahead for uh, Cinema Side? Like what is in production and what you guys have coming up? Well, we have dozens of scripts in the can. Nice. Wow. Um, we, we've been. Uh, I say that we debuted online in November, but we've actually been in a production phase for almost five years. Wow. wow. Um, and it it took that long to get us where we are because we we didn't do take out any loans mm -hmm. we didn't do any kickstarters you know we're just a, a couple of guys working part-time jobs paying our bills and mm -hmm. and we just funded this thing on our own so nice. we took that time that limitation if you will and we spent that time building a library of finished scripts mm -hmm. um and so now while we continue to knock out more scripts 
we have a pretty good idea of what we what we got coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our next major release will be Jurassic Park. Oh, nice. Um, we have hope to have that out at the beginning of August. Sweet. And then uh, we'll be working on the Hunger Games. That'll be <laughs> a, a September or October release. Nice. But, uh, but yeah, we've we've got a whole lot of movies that mm-hmm. we've done, and uh, we're looking forward to touching up on as many different genres as we can. Mm-hmm. That's great. I really respect that. Just starting out, just on your own, like like just funding everything yourself. I, I really respect that from a creative standpoint. Because when me and Tiny started the podcast, we had rock band microphones that we plugged right. into <laughs> yeah. USB computer, uh, and it was just yeah. I mean, the sound quality was. We probably shouldn't have released those episodes. But yeah, we used a couple of my yeah. shoes as microphone holders because mm-hmm. those right. rock bands yeah. were so sensitive right. you can't even oh, touch yeah. them. Yeah, that was yeah. those were good times. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so it's just it's such a learning process, and it seems like you guys have it set down to such a. You guys have already out of the gate have it have the uh, the process down to such an such close to an exact science as, as you can because you guys had so much prep time and and you guys really it shows how much you guys care about the finished product and that's just that's fantastic it was absolutely beneficial to have that extra time the mm-hmm. the years um because there was a huge learning curve mm-hmm. you know and we didn't skip anything along the way uh we we hit just about as many roadblocks as you could possibly hit mm-hmm. and um i think it was Joel Hodgson that said that uh, when he was trying to get Mystery Science Theater off the ground that he just he hit one roadblock after another after yeah. another after another and he had plenty of opportunities to quit and the only thing that made it successful was that he didn't so <laughs> you know nice. so we just we know that uh, we're doing the right thing if we're hitting roadblocks <laughs> yeah that's a great philosophy to have with any kind of creative energy it's anything creative that you're putting your energy in that's oh, and life in such general a great, oh you know? absolutely it's oh yeah yeah, it's important to just keep plugging along, and uh, I think that's what what's got us where we are today. Is uh, what well, what limited success we've had so far <laughs> yeah. is just right. based upon the fact that we didn't stop when we could have. Right. right. I'm curious. Um, have you guys ever thought about doing like a live show? Uh, because that'd be kind of probably kind of cool for you guys to get that immediate mm-hmm. feedback, just having an audience laughing at everything you're saying. Yes, on multiple levels. The the show Cinema Side was actually, we had a very grand idea for it. We wanted to do a live show. We had a concept that I thought was very unique. Um, It was Mystery Science Theater-esque, but the concept of the show was very unique. And uh, we went around to local theaters, and I tried to hit up the art craft in Franklin uh-huh. as a potential theater to, to film in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but we ran into roadblocks there. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, we were in, intending it to be a live show. Mm-hmm. And then over time, uh, finding out the, the cost yeah. and the limitations <laughs> of where we could film and what we could do, what we could get away with, we decided that it was probably best just to take a page out of Rift Track's book mm-hmm. and say... Let's just start small with this and then see where it goes, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, we've been presented with multiple opportunities here at the con with people who mm-hmm. hope to do live shows in different cities. And, uh, um, yeah, we're, we're open to the opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's, Sweet. Uh, half of what we do is watching stuff and <laughs> making fun of it. So right. If we can't do that in front of other people, then... <laughs> Have so you, oh, I'm ahead. sorry. Uh, have you guys ever like ran into any legal issues? Because I know that's with the uh, Mystery Science Three Theater Three Thousand. Like no one, no one's seen the first season because they didn't get the rights to any of that mm-hmm. stuff. So I'm just curious if you guys have had any issues like that. Well, we've been pretty lucky because of 
the style that we that we operate is that we're selling MP3 commentaries, right? Mm-hmm. And so people are popping in their DVDs at home, and we're just simply selling our own audio commentary that happens to match up to it. Right. So with that said, we're not running into any copyright issues because right. we're not infringing upon anybody. Um, and then when it comes to our most recent release, say White Zombie, where we're actually selling the VOD, the video okay. and the audio together. But White Zombie's public domain now, Very it cool. being so old. So we're we're trying to uh, take advantage of as many inexpensive opportunities to do what right. we're doing. Um, and then if we if we hit it big, then of course then we'll start getting into licensing yeah. the, the bigger things. But uh, yeah, it's been beneficial to find out the easiest ways to get around these things. Okay, cool, <laughs> nice. So out of the so say someone at the convention comes up to your booth and you they only have enough money to get one of the one of the tracks which one would you say is your favorite of of your babies that you're selling <laughs> yeah that, that depends on who you ask mm. my favorite uh, of the stuff that we've done is has been twilight so nice yeah i felt like uh, we, we're really careful to um offer fresh material right so we take the time to write our script and then we'll sit down and listen to every available riff that anyone's done mm-hmm. so nice. that we can make sure that we have, we don't have similar jokes, you know? Right. And so, and when we do, we pull our jokes and we rewrite for those slots. And so we know that we're putting out a 100% original product. So with that said, everybody's torn Bella Swan to, to shreds, <laughs> yeah. you know? Right. And so, you know, it's, it's easy to say, well, you just can't do that movie anymore because there's no original jokes for it. But... We found a way to do it, you know. We yeah. we, we changed uh, our our targets, and uh, but I really feel like that uh, we touched up Twilight in a very uh, original and hilarious way, to nice. humbly <laughs> humbly speaking. Right. But then, if you ask my uh, co-host uh, David McAllister, he would say that um, the script we have written for Spider-Man Two uh-huh. would be his favorite. Uh, we yes. haven't recorded that yet, mm-hmm. but it's it'll be soon. Mm-hmm. But that would be his favorite script that we've, nice. and, and they're both great, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm satisfied with, with <laughs> right. what we've done so far. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully everybody else will be too. Yeah, cool. That's it, fantastic. Is there a, is there any project like any kind of movie that? You just you're just dying to just rip to shreds that you guys just haven't gotten to yet. Everything, <laughs> everything. Okay, I can take that. Yeah, if, good answer. If you go to the movies nowadays, uh, yeah, there's just there's something wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. There's nothing original. There's and when there is something original, then the critics just tear it to pieces. Right. And and I don't see myself as a critic because that's not what I'm doing. You yeah, know? I'm not just mushing on a film because. Uh, uh, the lighting was bad, or the soundtrack was off, you know, right. or you know, they should have had this actor instead of that actor. That, that's not right. our process at all, you know. Okay. Um, so, yeah, when you hit the theaters and you see movies like Jurassic World or mm-hmm. uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, or you know, everything that's come out this summer, uh-huh. uh huh, is is something that we want to riff on. And, it, and sadly, once you get into the process. You can't stop. So yeah. you sit down in the movie theater and you pay your twelve dollars to see something, <laughs> and then you spend two hours riffing the movie. You know? <laughs> so that was going to be my next question: how yeah. it's affected your general movie-going experience? Everything that we've completed a script for, the movie's ruined for us. You know, mm-hmm. we we can't watch it anymore. So it's it's affected us in that way. And then on top of that, there is the 
we can't watch any movie nowadays without you throwing out commentary for it. So <laughs> right. Right. it makes you really unpopular in a group setting. And <laughs> you're, you're making a huge sacrifice for your art. Uh, right. Huge. And, and we love movies, so it's, yeah. it's yeah. the hardest thing. But and it's I, tough. I love the just the general concept of just riffing on a movie. I, I love that idea, and I love commentary tracks as well. Like, I think that there is such a market to be uh, catered to for that because a lot of people love commentary track commentary tracks specifically. Like, I I'm a sucker for a good commentary track, and I love when movies get their due um, mm-hmm. <laughs> with certain in in respect to uh, to being riffed on. So I. I'm really it's a kind way of putting it. Yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> very diplomatic way to uh, to say it. For uh, yeah, oh god. But yeah. So uh, why don't you tell everyone like where they can find uh, Cinemaside? Um, we're online at cinemaside.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we were lucky when we hit it up domain, so we we found Cinemaside hadn't been taken by anybody for anything. Nice. So everything was very basic for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're at cinemaside.com. We're at cinemaside at uh, at Hotmail for uh, feedback, nice. uh, for suggestions, for hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, then to. The website's fairly easy. It's, it's fairly basic. Mm-hmm. Um, all the instructions are on the homepage for those who aren't familiar with the riff track style of MP3 mm-hmm. commentaries. And uh, we've got a, a shop page that has all of our stuff on it, and it's, it's just super easy to do. That's awesome. Nice. Cool. I, I like how I looked through it, and I liked how well you guys um, describe how to sync it up. Because, you know, you think, okay, well... If you're going to have a commentary track that you need to sync up, like that's that would be in the back of my head. Like, okay, how can I make sure that this is being synced up properly? And it would be in the back of my head. But you guys have a clear set of instructions mm. that seem very much catered to the viewer experience. And I, I just like that. So um, for those listening, how do you sync up the audio track just as a brief overview of it? Well, what we do is when you press play on our commentary, mm-hmm. um, there'll be an introduction and greeting right. and uh, some general nonsense and shenanigans sure. and uh but then uh there there will be a point where we get into the, the instructional part of it and mm-hmm. we'll we'll ask the viewer to, to pause the commentary and pop in their dvd at home for whatever movie they're watching mm-hmm. and they'll be given an instruction at an exact point uh when a certain logo pops up when a warner sure. brothers logo pops up or when a gramercy logo pops up or when something fades mm-hmm. you know every movie's different right but uh uh, they'll pop in their DVD and press play, and then when they see that thing that we have given them a cue for, mm-hmm. they'll just press play again on our commentary. And we've, we've done the work to make sure that everything stays synced up past that point, mm-hmm. but we also offer audio syncs in the film. Nice. And what that does is we'll read a piece of dialogue that a character in the movie is saying, and if you don't hear them at the same time, then you know that they're off a little bit. You can okay. pause one for a second or two. Or, or, you know, but again, we've we've done the work, and we've uh, when it comes to editing, we've tried really hard to make this as simple as humanly possible. Right. But uh, but yeah, if if you've never listened to uh, a riff track style comedy, then mm-hmm. uh, it it could be immensely confusing to yeah. try to put this, oh, yeah. to put this stuff together. So um, yeah, we wanted it to be instructional on every single MP3, and we wanted it to be instructional on the website too, mm-hmm. so that everybody felt like they could. They were had total control over it. Mm-hmm. 
Nice. Cool. So what is your biggest influence with, with this project and in terms of like what are, what are the uh, what are your biggest influences on what uh, what you look to when you uh, go to do a do a riff on a movie? Like wh- who influenced what you? What are the most? biggest hurdles? Is no, uh, like what uh, what influenced you more to start it basically? Like oh, MSD three K and riff yeah. tracks. Um it and it, we hear this from a lot of people and and it's probably everybody. <laughs> yeah. But uh, everybody, to a certain extent, riffs movies. You know, at home, oh, yeah. you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're riffing the TV, your commercials, you know, and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I grew up uh, watching Sammy Terry on late night TV, mm-hmm. and you know, really old bad horror movies. And <laughs> you know, we we'd get a pizza on a Saturday night, and we'd sit around and we would just lay into these things, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. with my dad and my uncle, and you know, me as a kid and everything, and and it was just. One of the highlights of my youth was just yes. how great the weekends were, mm-hmm. laying into these things. And, of course, cold pizza on a Sunday morning, oh, you know. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what really spawned a lifelong love of it. Nice. But then, you know, 88, 89 rolls around, and then there's Mystery Science Theater, and these guys mm-hmm. are doing it for real, right. you know. And so, yeah, and they... They hit on all bases, you know. They're uh, they're good at what they uh, what they do, and mm-hmm. uh, we, we love the, the show concept. And I, I watched it all through my teen years, and nice. own all the DVDs now, obviously. So mm-hmm. we're we're big big fans of the show, and and just the the, the basic concept of um, dropping an audio commentary into everyday life. Mm-hmm. You know, that's <laughs> nice. So, uh, what we've been asking people at the convention at our booth is we've been asking them uh, what movie, show, or franchise they would want to reboot, remake, reimagine, re-whatever, revive, um, and how they would go about doing that. And uh, while we've got you here, why don't you uh, do you have do you have a title that you would want to do that to? Well, I would say that. Uh most of the founding members of Cinemacide were huge Futurama fans. Oh, nice. And so a show like that, to see it dying once was hard enough, and to see it mm-hmm. die twice is equally as yeah. difficult. But, um, yeah, that, that's the kind of show I wouldn't want to... I would I would like to see continue, mm-hmm. you know? Um, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think they got to completely to the end <laughs> of that thing, you know? Yeah. The, the writing that stayed had, sharp, and... That had such a troubled... So, like history, it's so it's rough. So, oh yeah, a cobble oh, yeah. road all the way. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, is there a specific format you would want it to take? Like, would you want it to be like I a think, Netflix original? Exactly. Or, that's yeah? that's. Uh, I think that's the way everything's going now. Mm-hmm. You know, is oh, the yeah. networks don't want to pay for the quality TV shows, and then right. they they hit Netflix, and mm-hmm. it's uh, why not? Yeah, you oh, know, yeah. whatever venue it takes to get. Uh, uh, the, the the good Marvel series is out, you know. That uh, oh, yeah. you know, uh, oh, yeah. whatever venue it takes. But uh, yeah, I would say Futurama is the type of show that I'd like to see come yes. back. Um, uh, buddy and I were just talking about a a movie from the uh, '90s called The Crow. Oh, The Crow, familiar. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's mm-hmm. that seems like the kind of thing uh, they did a great movie, mm-hmm. and then they kind of did a bunch of B movies that weren't so great, you know. <laughs> right. But, right. And I feel like. Nowadays, they could probably touch that story up a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, not tarnish the memory of Brandon Lee too hard. <laughs> right. That's yeah. been long enough, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we have this is our third year here, and uh, we have 
a different question every year. Mm-hmm. And so the first year we asked people, uh, we just asked people what their favorite movie and favorite TV show were. So mm-hmm. do you have a favorite, or is it kind of hard for you to pick? So when it comes to movies, my favorite movie would be Castaway. And really? That doesn't Castaway. fit into the riff style. Yeah. Right. But that's, uh, it's, it's one of those movies that touched me on a personal level. And nice. I can I can watch it about every three months. And... And cry like a baby all over again. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a great pick. I like that. Yeah, that's you don't hear that every day. That's that's a really good pick. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it in years, but it certain points of it really stick with me. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think it, it. For all those people that think that you know it would be nice to get stranded on an island, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. You think you know I hate my job and the rat race <laughs> and you know just the same old in and out every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting stranded on an island. You know, they, they painted a pretty ugly picture getting stranded. Yeah. I guess, but at the same time, the movie was beautiful. All it over, is, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, so then, the second year, last year, we asked people. It'd be really funny if you had the same answer. Um, we asked people what character That's from right. any universe or any movie or any franchise would you want to be and why <laughs> oh wow like I said it'd be hilarious if you had the same answer yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that I could do that um, yeah that's a tough one I don't have the wherewithal I'm a big guy I don't know yeah I mean I'm a I'm a huge Doctor Who fan so I would want to be like the 13th Doctor that's that's my pick um, we had a lot of really cool answers last year so yeah I, I think uh my, in my opinion, ignorance is bliss. You know, yeah. I, I, I truly believe that. Uh, and, and if you're around enough people over mm-hmm. a period of time, then it's just a fact. You know, yeah. <laughs> the less you know, the better off you are. <laughs> right. And um, and with that said, I would say that maybe uh, uh, Homer Simpson would be a really good answer. <laughs> nice, because he seems to have everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to be completely ignorant of it, and oh, yeah. uh, and not pay, not have to pay the consequences for being <laughs> ignorant, you know. Oh yeah. yeah, there's that great great episode, uh, Homer's enemy with uh, with uh, yeah yeah absolutely. where he where he has a coworker that just it comes up from such a horrible like terrible like childhood and Fred Grimes yeah, or yeah Frank old Grimes. grimy grimy yeah <laughs> and it's just so it's so great because he notices like. It's so great Everything. in The Simpsons when the character, when um, supporting characters like notice just how extravagant The Simpsons' lives are, <laughs> right. and they're completely unaware of it. Uh, and it's else so great. Too, so oh yeah. Series. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that's such a great pick. I, that would be amazing to be Homer. Um. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, he was in a band. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. famous. He mm-hmm. was a business owner. Uh, been to space. He's <laughs> met presidents and former. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he's yeah. done everything. And immune from punishment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a really good pick. That's a I like great that. Pick. That's yeah, good. yeah. I don't remember who I said last year, yeah. um, or what universe I said, but I don't know. It'd probably be Star Trek now, maybe. It'd be easy know. to have a different answer every day. Oh, absolutely. For something like that. Oh, yeah. Especially when the hypotheticals. Oh, yeah. You have so many, so many properties that are like attract like people to a fandom, mm-hmm. and it's like these properties have such vast universes that are just molded by the writers and, and even the fans influence it as well. It's just it's really hard to pick because they're so well realized. There's such a such a a vast amount that you can pick from. It's it's really amazing. Yeah, pick one difficult. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So uh, our next question for you is: We do a segment on the podcast called Potpourri. It just basically means that um, it's wh- how we wind down the podcast. It's uh, whatever we want, as long as it smells good. Anything that we've watched, anything that we're looking forward to, anything that is of interest in the movie or TV world, 
um, at the forefront of our minds. So is there anything that you've watched lately that you want to talk about or that you have um, a particular feeling about, whether good or bad? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a Netflixer, you know, nice. and I, I like to burn through a series in a weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's the hardest thing in the world for me to get into anything that's on TV now yeah. and to sit and wait. And I don't know mm-hmm. how we did it for so long <laughs> <laughs> that we would watch a TV show and then wait mm-hmm. seven days for the next one. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and but uh, yeah, stuff like Game of Thrones nowadays, mm-hmm. you can... You watch it for three and a half, four months, and then you got eight months going. Where's oh yeah, next? right? You know, and it's, it's it's hard. So I, I I prefer to not watch things on TV now mm-hmm. and to be out of the loop. Nice, you know, for half a year, but yeah. then to just see everything, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and so I'm I'm going through now and just watching stuff that I should have watched a long time ago, but I sure. haven't been, and so. I've watched uh, recently. My name is Earl. Knocked oh, out that wow. whole series. Uh, Thirty Rock. Um, wow. Uh, just a lot, we like sharp wit, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it, the dumber the show, it seems like the better the writing is. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? And I think my judge said that it was really hard mm-hmm. to write as stupid as Beavis and Butthead were, you know? <laughs> so when you find a show with a great stupid character on it, you know somebody's doing their job. Right. You know? Oh, absolutely. Somebody's fighting to keep that character stupid. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we enjoy shows where, you, where there are really classically stupid characters. Mm-hmm. The Homer Simpsons and the, oh, yeah. the Philip J. Fry's and <laughs> the Earls. So. Nice. That's nice. interesting, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen My Name is Earl, so... And I'm yeah. I'm a big Jason Lee fan, so yeah. it's uh, it's great. I yeah. I, I I had seen the first few seasons, but mm-hmm. uh, again, it was one of those things where you're watching it every week on TV, yeah. and, it, and it burns. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's on Netflix now, and nice. uh, I knocked it out in a couple of weeks, and it mm-hmm. yeah, it's nice. And it's another one of those things that just died too soon. Oh you know, yeah, they, they pulled they pulled that show right off the that's air before right. it, it got an appropriate finish. So Jeez. that's another one that we could. Uh, if they could get everybody back together for the, mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah, at least for a wrap up. Oh yeah, you know? mm-hmm. oh yeah, and I like that. Like even premium networks like HBO and and Netflix as well. Like they're they're giving if if a show doesn't perform to their liking, they're at least giving them the the way to end it. Like their own like final season to end it. Like I'm thinking like with HBO, Boardwalk Empire had a shortened final season. They announced that it was a final season, and also um, I think. Uh, let's see. Oh, the newsroom. For better or worse, it, it the last season was going in, knowing it was the last season, I believe. And just I, I like that the current way that we consume media is not a week to week judgment of ratings anymore. It's more of a okay, this isn't performing to our liking. Let's go ahead and push out a final a final swan song for it and wrap things up so that the internet doesn't hate us. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. I, I was a, a big fan of Deadwood, and I hated to see oh, yeah. that series drop off without mm-hmm. a, a big finale. Yeah. You know, but that, I felt like that, that was the kind of series that was never going to have mm-hmm. an exact end. Right. You know, maybe maybe you just stop watching. You know, yeah. that's but uh, yeah, that's one of those shows that I'd like to see them. Uh, and I guess there's there's been talks about a Deadwood movie or something like that. But there has been. And do you think that if, that's ever going to happen? Because yeah, it's, it's it, been. And it's great to see the mentioned. characters do in other shows, mm-hmm. and you think, you know, that's so and so from Deadwood. You know, right. you, you never see him in any other light. But yeah. Deadwood is one of those shows that I'm afraid to uh, to to watch because I know that it doesn't end in a in a plot 
uh, plot satisfying way. Yeah. And I'm like There's afraid no to watch it. Okay. Yeah. There's no cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. It just you're just waiting for the next episode, yeah. and it just no. doesn't happen. It just never <laughs> happens. That's yeah. a shame. Yeah. I actually mentioned uh, Deadwood within the past month or so mm-hmm. on one of our episodes. We talked yeah. about TV shows that we've like abandoned, mm-hmm. like something we started, watched a season or two, and then we just left it. And for me, Deadwood is actually one of those shows, and mm. and I really wish I had a reason as to why. Because every time <laughs> I watched it, I was like, this is really good. These performances are incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought it was a really good show, but... For some reason, I just always I always dropped off Deadwood, and I've only seen like the first season and a half or so. Uh, I wish I knew why that was, but uh, I mean, even having not seen it all, I wish they'd bring it back because I know it's a quality show, and and those are few and far between anymore. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It was one of those that's not hard to watch. Yeah, you know, you enjoy it, and you go, "Wow, that that was an hour." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? how did that happen? Um, I think Game of Thrones would be like that now, where you think yeah. that was—I can't believe that hour just passed right. that yeah. fast. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. and to kind of go back to what you said about watching TV like now nowadays, um, with with having it being such a binge-friendly time to watch it, because mm-hmm. you know you wait until a season concludes, or if it's a Netflix exclusive, it just they throw all, the entire season at once. It's it's a it's a good thing and a bad thing because when you have a show like Game of Thrones that is such a such a juggernaut and such a topic of conversation, mm-hmm. there's still kind of that like okay yeah you want to have all ten episodes at once to watch because and that's another thing is that it's television is geared more towards serialized storytelling now because of that so you want to have the entire story out and ready but like if I miss like I'm I'm terrified because tomorrow is a is a, the penultimate episode of season six of Game of Thrones, and I'm going to be here all day, and then I'm going to go home. I'm going to be exhausted, probably going to go to bed early, and I know that the whole day of Monday I can't be on the internet at all because right. it's going to get spoiled. Yep. And it's such a such a shame that there isn't a, as widespread of a spoiler etiquette on the internet because people are so even news organizations and um blogs and and things they'll they'll post like oh can you believe what just happened on this episode right and then the picture will be of a character that like so you know when you're watching it like oh this character something horrible is gonna happen yeah Yeah, it's it's so it's frustrating and it's 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 an interesting time to uh be a fan of television and to consume this type of media and i think that it's kind of i don't know if it's going to keep drifting into that kind of kind of all at once um consumption that it's been going the last several years or if it's going to there's going to be a nice middle ground reach between uh week to week and binge viewing but it's an interesting time I, i hope that it's at a transition Trends, you know, mm-hmm. everything's a trend. I mean, the way we're fighting to not see things that we don't want to see, to not get things spoiled mm-hmm. by flipping through uh, Facebook and Twitter and the like, right. it's, it's just the same thing, you know, that that people in the 70s and 80s were doing around the water cooler at, mm-hmm. at work, you know, yeah. and they had to avoid the water cooler because yeah. they didn't know what happened on Cheers last night, you know, right. <laughs> and so it's it's just, it's the newest way uh, for people to avoid having things spoiled for them is, is yeah. the internet, so yep. I, I think it's, there, there will be an, another thing, there will be another oh, yeah. way. Yeah? Cool. Cool. So uh, I guess we can start kind of winding down and wrapping up a little bit here. Um, I want to thank you for joining us here at, at, on stage at the on the Established Facts Podcaster stage at Indie PopCon 2016. Um, 
And yeah, so why don't you tell everyone what, uh, where they can find uh, Cinemacide again and you know, just kind of pitch them the show again. <laughs> tell them what it is and, and where they can find it. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again for having me up here. Um, you can find us at cinemaside.com. And uh, we again, we do basic movie riffs, just like Mystery Science Theater and Riff Tracks. Um, uh, it's a it, it's a very cost effective way to enjoy two hours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, we're we're selling our MP3s at two ninety nine and uh, our VODs at five ninety nine. And so, um, yeah, if you if you've got a DVD collection at home mm-hmm. and uh, you want to relive that DVD and and laugh yourself stupid. <laughs> then uh, $2.99 is not a bad way to go. No, not at so, all. Um, Sweet. We enjoy the process, and we mm-hmm. hope everybody else enjoys what we've, what we've got to accomplish so far. Sweet. Cool. Yeah, I think I'm definitely going to pick up the Twilight one. Yeah. Because I, like Tiny said, I that movie deserves to be ripped apart as much as possible. Sorry for the Twilight fans listening, but <laughs> yeah. it's that is one of the most most enjoyable viewing experiences I've had just because it's so... It's funny because as the as the entire series went on, the mo- the movies each got you know bigger and like more competently made. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the first one is so is so mis uh, so ha- handled so poorly and from a technical standpoint that it's so easy to just to just. I hate I hate the word hate watching, but it's to, to to watch it with just that having that opinion at the forefront. It's it's fun to riff on, and it's I'm really looking forward to listening to your guys' take on it. Absolutely, yeah. and we hope yeah. everybody does. Right. All right. Cool. And what's your booth number for those listening? We're three forty two. Three forty two. All right. Well, thanks again for having us or uh, for being our guest on the podcaster stage. And of course, we're the Obsessive Viewer podcast. You can find us at ovpodcast.com, obsessiveviewer.com, and on iTunes, Stitcher, everything like that. We're currently running a promotion uh, for iTunes reviews. So if you listen to the show and like it, go ahead and leave a review on iTunes and then contact us on Facebook. Just send us a message with your username for iTunes by July 1st, and you'll be entered into a drawing for a $10 Amazon gift card. Um, and yeah, more details on the obsessive viewer and my side project, po- co- my side project podcast anthology, which is a uh, podcast exploring science fiction anthology television, uh, starting with the Twilight Zone, can be found at our booth at booth four four eight here at Indie Popcon. And hope everyone has a good uh, rest of the convention, and uh, we hope to see you guys there at our booth. So, thanks again, and uh, that about does it for us. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, so that's our interview with Gary from Cinemaside. You should definitely go check out their work. I Immediately after that recording, I went to their booth and I bought their uh, track for Twilight, which I'm so excited to listen to. It was such a cool, it's such an easy process to actually purchase from them. And it's, you know, it's really straightforward and it sounds like you're getting a lot of content for that, that price point. It's, it's really worth uh, checking out, um, at least to check out their stuff. It's, it's really cool and I really dig what they're doing. So, Tiny. Sir? Yes. We have about 45 minutes before the hall closes. Everyone's kind of dying down. The nerds you're looking for just packed up and left for the day. Snapshot Productions left for the day. So, we're uh, going to just do a little bit of recording here to kind of uh, end the episode, end this first episode of PopCon, uh, with a little PopCon potpourri. Tiny, you, uh, you into that? Absolutely. It does smell good in here already, but we'll get it smelling even better. Yes, it does. I was going to go a more cynical route with that because 
it's a it's an exhibit hall with uh, thousands of people and breathing and air and it's hot and it's you know there's a certain uh, you know it doesn't it doesn't smell that bad but we're gonna brighten it up anyway freshen it up. Well, I am rambling. I'm so tired. Oh my god. Okay. So I was, I was trying to imply that we're right next to the uh, uh, concession stand. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did not get that at yeah, all. I didn't. <laughs> I, it was stupid. I, yeah, it was dumb. It was dumb. No, no, it was. It was a good joke, Tiny. Thank it was. You. It was good. <laughs> um, so anyway, so we're gonna do popcorn potpourri. Where we're basically going to, if uh, this is your first episode listening, actually, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, Potpourri is the section of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want, as long as it smells good, anything we're watching, anything we've watched lately, anything that we are looking forward to, um, you know, just basically a potpourri of random topics related to our basic subjects, um, our genres. So, ugh, genre of podcast. So, anyway... Um, Tony, do you want to get us kicked off? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, so I recently watched a movie called Everest. Uh, you have to be careful when you search for that one because there's like three or four Everest movies out there. Um, but this is the most would recent you say one. That it, I'm sorry. Would you say that it's a very big and uh, it's a it's a really hard thing to accomplish watching watching the movie? Uh, did you get cold? Was there a lot? Was there air? Something. I'm trying to imply. So this one came out in 2015. Um, I think there's one that came out in the 90s, something like that. Um, so, but this is the most recent one, and uh, it has a really great cast. I mean, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. Um, gosh, who else is in this thing? Um, oh, um, um, I'm completely spacing right now. Uh, uh, the 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 president's chief of staff on on. Uh, uh, House of Cards. What's yeah, Doug Stamper. I can't There's think of the actor's Michael name. Something? Michael Kelly. Michael Kelly. Yeah. Michael Kelly's in it. Um, with a, a whole slew of actors. I'm completely. I'm completely spacing it right now. Um, but the cast is very good, and everyone gives a really good performance. I, I was really, really impressed with everybody. Um, this, this. What I liked about this is that wasn't a. This wasn't a generic story. This wasn't an action movie, or it wasn't. Uh, an over-dramatization of, of what it is to climb, be a mountain climber. Um, this was based on a true story about, uh, in the 90s, there were a couple people who had successfully summited Everest and basically turned it into a business uh, where people could pay a, an exorbitant amount of money to uh, have these experienced climbers guide them on a summit of Everest. Um and that's that's a very interesting business to run. Um, um, and in, in this story, it talks about uh, several years after these businesses have already been successful, um, they run into their first problems. Uh, they they have a lot of. It's basically a true story about how some people went on these this summit and this exploration of Everest and didn't make it off. Um, and it's it's a very tragic story. Um, but it's also true, and, and it feels like they stuck to what actually happened pretty closely. So I, I respect the movie for that, it, and, and it feels like there was some actual location shooting. I don't know if there was or not, but it really felt that way. I mean, obviously you can't take a movie camera up to the summit of Everest, so I know they didn't do that, but some of the base camp stuff, I mean, it really felt like they were in Nepal at the base of Everest. So maybe they were, maybe they weren't, but... 
they did a good job capturing that feel uh, at the very least. Um, the movie overall, I, I would I would just say is okay though. I, I think it's a little it's a little bogged down. Um, the the timing of how everything lines up was kind of kind of strange. Um, they sort of. I mean, like some of the stuff that I would think would be like a climax kind of happened at an odd point in the movie. Like at the midpoint of the movie, they, they like reach the summit. It's kind of crazy. Uh, spoiler alert. But uh, And then from there, you know, there's all this turmoil about trying to get trying to get down successfully without any injuries or losses or anything like that. Um, and and all, of it, all of it's very interesting. It's very captivating. Um but it's kind of slow too. I mean, this this is a very, I guess, a pretty inconsiderate thing to say. But uh, people dying of uh, lack of oxygen and hypothermia is pretty boring. Um, I, I, like I said, that's a terrible thing to say. But uh, you know, it's kind of just like wind whipping around and people laying in the snow and slowly not breathing anymore. Um, it's it's very cruel, and and you can really feel it. So I give him credit for that. But I, I just kind of I kind of lost interest in it just just a little bit. Um, you know, I I feel like I'm being kind of hard on it. it. It is a good movie, and like I said, the performances are good. But uh, it, it just it just it just kind of dragged for me in a few places. Um, I think it could it could have used some editing. Um, also, there are some really remarkable scenes uh, involving characters who are in dire turmoil or uh, you know they're at risk of dying, and they get to have conversations with their loved ones. Um, and with with the talented actors involved in this. Uh, you get some really, really great performances and some very touching moments during during those scenes. Um, so I was I was impressed with that. I give a lot of credit to the actors and and uh, the dialogue was fairly solid. Um, I, I I definitely recommend the movie just because of its achievements. Uh, like I said, it, you you really felt like you were on on the mountain going up it. It was it was, it was impressive in that respect, um, and I really enjoyed the performances so uh yeah check it out it's actually on hbo go that's how i watched it so yeah check it out if you want well that's awesome and i totally heard everything you said i didn't get uh i didn't have to step away from the from uh, the recording at all um that's awesome i've i've been kind of curious about it and i feel like that movie in particular is one that i i wish that i would have seen in the in the theater like that and i think the walk was around the same time um the robert zemeckis movie so yeah um that's cool i'll have to check it out um, even though you said it was just okay, but yeah. you know. Um, also, Jason Clark was in it. Jason Clark, he's yeah. very good in it. Nice, nice. Uh, so if, what I'm going to bring up for Potpourri is my brain is, is mush right now. Uh, let's see. So I watched the Secret of My Success, um, which we referenced. Day <laughs> Which we referenced in our workplace comedies movie. I hadn't seen it yet, and I had rented it before we recorded that episode, and then I didn't have time to watch it, so I went ahead and watched it uh, after we recorded. And, you know, I spent about the first 30, 45 minutes thinking that I just had the wrong idea about the movie in general, because I knew I knew of The Secret of My Success from um, its uh, from, from what it was parodied in, in uh, It's Always Sunny, and so I was thinking, like, okay, when does he become... When does he? When does he like pretend that he's an he's an executive? Because it didn't. It doesn't happen for a while. And it's you know it was it was okay. It was really really cheesy. I actually I would say that I didn't really like it all that much. Um, I don't regret watching it, but I don't know. Michael J. Fox is amazing, but I, I like him better when he's in 
a movie that I respect more um, or get more out of, and I didn't really didn't really get much out of it. I just thought it was just kind of silly and over the top, and I don't know. I thought it was okay. I didn't really have much else to say about it. Like I said, my brain is just mush right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, let's see. What else? Um, also, I've been watching a lot of The Office Season 9. Which I when I recorded with uh, Matt Quay from the Nerds Domain um, today earlier this morning, and I was talking about that, and it's interesting because I'm watching it like I just randomly started the season nine, the last season of it, just out of sequence, uh, and I'm watching that independent of, of itself because I wasn't too I wasn't too into it when it was airing because they made some choices in that final season that watching it week to week I I didn't agree with, but seeing it after knowing what all happens and seeing it. Um, without having to wait a week or two between every episode, I'm uh, I'm appreciating it a little bit more. Like uh, for instance, there's a whole subplot with Jim and Pam. Like their their marriage is is a little rocky in the season, and part of that is that they introduce a character who is introduced as if he's in love with Pam. And like I remember that affecting me and thinking like. Man, that that's that's wrong. I don't like I don't like that. I I just didn't like it, and I thought that it was just really. It seemed like really um, not expected, but it seemed very much formulaic of it. Like, oh, there's this guy that's been around the whole time that's in love with Pam, and when I saw that when it was airing, I just kind of I I hated it. I hated it so much. But seeing it now, like watching it, like watching every episode in chunks, binge watching it, I realized that it's. That this that this plotline was not as big and huge as uh, as I originally thought it would be, and like that's pretty much written out written out after a few episodes with the guy, and like that like going at it from uh, watching it and having the knowledge of everything now, it's I'm, it's more palatable, it's more interesting. The drama between Jim and Pam in that final season is honestly it's kind of remarkable. I I think that it's really like. If they had, if they had started this, uh, this whole like not, I guess, rockiness of their marriage. I don't want to say troubled marriage because it's not really a troubled marriage. It's just they hit some speed bumps. Um, if they started this in season eight and then carried it through two seasons and really spent time to develop it and really dig into it, I think it could have been incredible. But unfortunately, they kind of squeezed it into season nine where they're also doing a bunch of weird stuff with like Andy like Andy oh my god thank you popcorn um <laughs> and so it's it's <laughs> there are announcements going on I don't know if the mic picked it up but anyway um yeah so so just I'm I'm appreciating it more now but I think if it had more room to Grow, uh, grow into two seasons, play out over two seasons. I think it would have been more, more effective. And it's competing now with like by cramming it in one, into one season. They're competing with a lot of different subplots that didn't really work for me. Like the season starts with Andy as the manager, and he's dating Aaron, played by Ellie Kemper, who is just freaking amazing. I, I love her. Um, she's, uh, she and him are dating, and then he leaves on a boat trip for several episodes because Ed Helms, of course, had to film The Hangover Part 3. So what they did with Aaron and their whole relationship, just they just dropped it. Like, they, like she found someone else in the office and they started dating and then 
Ed Helms or, or uh, Ed Helms came back from filming The Hangover Part Three, and it just it changed the character, and he was just kind of a joke. It kind of seems like they were he was suddenly wanting to be an actor because the documentary is about to air, and it seems like. I feel like they had this plot line with him trying to seek fame and uh, try to make it as an actor. I feel like they had that earmarked for Michael Scott for whenever the show reached its end. And I don't know necessarily if that would have been a better better or worse or just, just in general a bad idea. But I don't know. It wasn't. It didn't really. It didn't really work for me that much. But I don't know. And then the whole Dwight spinoff thing is really obtruse, uh, um, obnoxious in the in the final season of The Office because they literally took scenes that they filmed for the pilot of Tw- Dwight's uh, spinoff, The Farm, and they incorporated it into an actual episode of The Office called The Farm, and it was just really, really just out of place, really weird, really just not good at all. And um, I'm sure that Thomas Middleditch, who appeared in it as really happy that I that didn't go through because he's uh, seeing a lot of success on Silicon Valley so but yeah so that's my potpourri and that's gonna about gonna just about do it for us and uh, it's we would be remiss if we didn't bring this up um, today it was actually the uh, the day of film uh, the day of recording this is uh, December 19th 2016 and it was announced today um, that uh, Anton Yelchin, the young actor who plays Chekhov in the Star Trek movies, as well as uh, he was he was recently in the movie Green Room, which I loved. Um, he passed away today, uh, tragically in an automobile accident. That sounds really, really horrifying and just tragic. And it's you know we would be remiss if we didn't mention it. And personally, I thought he had such a bright future and like a really strong present um like he had just a whole bunch of really really good roles like he was in alpha dog he was in um the fright night remake uh the star trek movies of course green room like he had a very very bright future and it's so it's just a it's just tragic to see um his life and career cut short so so um horrifically really um tiny do you have any thoughts on anton yelchin as an actor yeah absolutely i i you mentioned Alpha Dog. That was my introduction to him, and he just blew me away in that. He was like a 15-year-old, 16-year-old in that movie, um, and he just he was keeping up with a lot of seasoned actors uh, who had who had done a lot of done a lot of big projects, and and he really blew me away in that movie. Um, and and from there, I followed his career. I, I enjoyed him in the Fright Night remake. Um, I, I think he really did have a bright future, like you said. And to see it cut short is just awful. And you know, I, I I hope his family is doing all right and everything, and uh, we're gonna miss him. Yep, uh, I agree completely, and uh, yeah, it's sad. It's it's tragic. Um, I recommend everyone check out the movie Green Room because he was fantastic in it. He was incredible in it, actually, and uh, check out all the rest of his work too. And you know, that's the best way that we as fans of um, you know film and television, that's the best way we can you know honor someone um, in the industry that passes just revisit their work and admire the, the the work that they put out into the world um so with that somber note we're gonna go ahead and start breaking down this breaking down this booth and uh thinking about going home <laughs> um, after a long and successful weekend at indie popcon um once again just as i said at the top of the episode we're running a promotion for itunes reviews so if you're listening to this and have not reviewed us on itunes you have until july 1st or you know 
you know, whenever. Um, <laughs> uh, write us a review on iTunes and then send us a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And tell us your username on iTunes and your email address. And on uh, around July 1st, um, we're going to go through the submissions, randomly pick one, and send them a $10 Amazon gift card. Um, so, you know, all you have to do is just write a review and let us know. And also, if you're interested in Shocktober and Irvington 3, which is Friday, October 14th, 2016, at the Irving Theater, um, more information on that can be found at shocktoberinirvington.com, including the... Um, link to the Facebook event page, as well as soon um, a link to where you can buy tickets for it. Um, yeah, so that's going to be a lot of fun. We all we already have um, some good stuff lined up, and we're looking forward to getting some more um, lined up in the weeks to come. So, um, yeah, I'm rambling, and that's about all that we have to discuss. So, on that note, um, have a good uh, week. There will be another episode of the obsessive viewer out later this week that'll have all of our booth recordings and us kind of talking about the convention as a whole after after we've uh, had time to decompress and uh, gather our thoughts so thanks for listening guys and uh, we'll see you later this week thanks guys kid what's your name chanko chirpov ensign chekov pavel andreevich sir fine Check off Pavel Andreevich. Begin shipwide mission broadcast. Yes, sir. Happy to. Ensign authorization code 95 Victor Victor 2. Authorization not recognized. Ensign authorization code 95 Victor Victor 2. Access granted. May I have your attention, please? <coughs> I guess I should tell you about the first time I had one. My daddy was driving me back from summer camp, and I turned to him and I said, Daddy, I think I'm sloughing. And he said, that's nice, honey. And I realized that he had, like, no idea just what sloughing meant. So I explained to him that it meant blood was gushing from my you-know-where. And she nearly wrecked the car, trying to hand me a wad of fast food napkins, which is not something that you particularly want to stick up your hoop. Great. Uh, I wasn't quite finished, actually. No, that'll do. <clears throat> Thank you, Charlie. Okay, so I'm not a magician. Now you're a magician, so you teach me how to do it. I can't just because he said, I am a magician. I can't teach you. You didn't know that trick before the magician taught it to you, right? Yeah. So why did the magician tell you? He can tell that I'm a magician. Well, you could tell that I'm a magician. But I'm a magician, just naturally a magician. That's what you're saying. I'm saying I'm naturally a magician. But you don't know any tricks. And you're just not. I mean, see, because I'm a magician, if you were naturally a magician, I'd feel that you were naturally a magician. Are you going to tell me this trick? No. Magicians don't reveal their secrets. I gotta go. You guys are a lot alike. Yeah, except he's not a magician. Music is shared live. It's time and aggression. You gotta be there. 
and then it's over. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at ObsessiveViewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I Am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.